1: like Kobe in a fourth quarter. This is the Dane Moore like NBA it, podcast brought to you by Blue Wire podcast coming at you Tuesday evening, October night, 18th. I've got Wolves beat writer Jason Frederick from the Pioneer Hi. Press joining yeah. me today. Normally, Jason does Wednesday mornings with me, but with the opener tomorrow, we figured we'd try to squeeze this one in with a little bit more time in advance of the game. Jason and I are going to talk a little bit about what we're expecting in or we're looking for in that opener, but... I also wanted to have Jason on because he wrote a big feature on Jordan McLaughlin this week. And I just feel like, for me, as many preseason podcasts as I've done, like J Mac has, I think he's been the one that I've brushed over uh, the most in the preseason coverage. Like, as much as I've talked about Bryn Forbes and Austin Rivers, like J Mac's going to play more than those guys, I think. And I just haven't, uh, I haven't really talked about him that much. So I thought Jason's, uh, Jace's feature was, was really good on, on J Max. So, so Jace, let's just, uh, let's just start with that. Start with J Max. What, what made you want to uh, write this story? Because I get the sense with how you wrote it, that you kind of feel like J Max hasn't gotten the recognition or yeah, I guess just microscope that he, he deserves in advance of the season.
2: Yeah, that's how, that is exactly how I feel. Um, And it, it is a carryover and it's something that I think always happens, but like we watched the playoffs last year, and he was really good. Um, and we watched the end of the regular season last year, and he was really good. Um, so digging into those numbers was interesting, and like you see that, and you see how well he's playing. Um, and then the off season comes, like, and it all just I think people forget. So as much as anything, I wanted it to be a reminder because here I looked this up. You tweeted this
3: mm.
2: on April twenty ninth in the middle of Game Six. Uh-oh. Man. Dot. Dot. Dot jordan mclaughlin is so good <laughs> and it's true like this was the exact sentiment of jordan mclaughlin as we watched him for three months leading up to the playoffs once he was reinserted into the rotation and then like in the playoffs it was like wow this guy is really good he plays with great pace everybody else plays better when he's on the court um, and fans at the end of game six i'm sure they remember this uh, they were clamoring like do not take Jordan McLaughlin out of the game, whatever you do. And Finch did that for a couple minutes, then put him back in. And um, and then Jordan McLaughlin. At the end of game five, Anthony Edwards hits that clutch three. Who ran that play? Mm-hmm. It was Jordan McLaughlin. Um and it's like this guy was kind of like the engineer of everything that they were doing. Um and it didn't matter about his height, anything like that. Um it was just clear this guy's really good. But then the offseason always comes and, and you know, we don't see basketball for a while. There's no evidence stuffed in our face. And so I think we all kind of go back to where we're comfortable, which is like our preconceived notions, like Jordan McLaughlin's a backup point guard, too small to have anything more than that, like too big, a, can't take on a huge role, uh, not a great defender, not a great shooter, all these things, um, because that's what we thought beforehand. And it, and so then that's what you enter into the season with. So I just kind of wanted to, almost a reminder of like, remember how good this guy was, um, because I, it's still true. Um, even if you didn't think it was, he was before last season like he showed he was um, so don't forget that um, just because three months had passed or whatever the case may be way longer than three months but
1: well I, I like the we were in the media room a couple of weeks ago I, we, we were talking about j and I was kind of like yeah you know for me it's like I I just question the shooting you know and 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 I was like you know I don't love like the the form of it it seems kind of hard for him to get to it whatever and you know, it's been really inconsistent. And you go, look it up, like look up the last like 30 games of the season. And sure enough, you made me pull it up on basketball reference. And from January 28th on, he shot 40.4% from three, led the team in net rating, was second on the team in defensive rating, led
2: the team in steal rate, like second in defensive field goal percentage, which is like (laughs) your guy is not making shots behind only Jaden mcdaniels who we all say was you know clearly the best defensive player like he yeah he's you're right i i need the
1: reminder i i do and and i think it's like i feel reminded read your story looked into some stuff and and so then i just kind of start asking myself and i asked finch about this today too of like okay what more can he do right what it what did what like what is the role and and what more can Jordan McLaughlin do? And I asked JMac that today at practice as well, and and I think for Finch, it's more like just be that same thing last year. But if you're if you're Jordan, like you want to continue to grow on that. So, what do you envision kind of both parts of that being JMac's role this season, and if he grows, in what areas would would you see him growing?
2: Well. Frankly, like, and I don't mean to make this sound like dumb, but it just was, well, those numbers that you that we just went over, um, those were since he re entered the rotation last year. Mm. If he does that over the course of the season and posts similar type numbers, it's hard to be better than that. Um, right. like just with your play when you are on the court, it is hard to do better than that. Um, I know he's talked about working on his shot. Um, and I talked to this trainer about this too. Like, he's like, Jordan's in the position where he doesn't want to be the guy taking all the shots because he's meant. To get others involved he's meant to make sure the guys like the stars are getting theirs so it might be one or two threes um and he just wants to knock down 50 percent of votes which is not easy to do and it's more likely going to be you know 38 to 40 so like he's working on his three so that he can make the one or two he's going to take uh and, you know, defensively, like, I think he's kind of gotten to a point where just IQ-wise, he knows how he can best impact the game. For me, role is just all about, it's doing the exact same thing. It's not taking more shots. It's not being who he's not because what he is and the value he brings is so important. It's just playing more. It's its maybe to the point where he's playing consistently 22 minutes a game Um, because you look at him and what he does, like, and the impact he has, and there's almost no excuse to not play him that. Even when there are no injuries, whatever the case may be, like, he should be on the court, at least close to half the game. And if you're going to shrink it down to D'Angelo Russell's the starting point guard, he's got to play 30 to 32 minutes a game. That only leaves 16 to 18 for Jordan McLaughlin. I think you're seeing that you're leaving one of your most impactful players on the bench, which I think would be coaching malpractice. So
1: you, I I wish I had, had cut this clip in advance, but after the, the fifth preseason game, right? you, You asked Finch, you were just kind of, do you trust j mac to be the backup point guard on this team and and he just re- i just said i said in
2: all situations or any mm-hmm. situation and he
1: just goes j mac of course you know of course yeah of course i trust j mac to be the back you know backup point guard and and that it was just an exasperated sort of thing like why would you even question that but then I, I do think in ways it is a fair question because there were times even throughout the end of that season, when those numbers that you were just we were just going over were happening, where J Mac was not even consistently getting those backup, that backup 16 to 18 minutes that you're talking about. He was he was DM, I mean, maybe you have it in front, like he didn't play in one of the playoff games at all. Didn't
2: didn't yeah. play in the play against the Clippers, and mm-hmm. then did not play
1: in game three against the Grizzlies. So, like, and Finch has repeatedly said, you know, I love j mac and he talks, he talks glowingly about him all the time, but last season and through the playoffs that love was not necessarily reflected in the minutes and the role that he has why why do you think that is for Finch it seems like even Finch one of the, the, the biggest Jordan McLaughlin fan Stan outside of you um he even like forgets how good he is at times why do you think that is
2: I think Finch lives in the same world that many other NBA coaches are in and I even talked to, the, to Jordan a little bit about this and that not necessarily in like in terms of Finch, but just everybody else um, in basketball. And it's, it's this world that you want to be as big and versatile as possible. Um, you want to be able to switch anything, whatever the case may be, even though the wolves won't switch, like, you know, (laughs) screen and roll and stuff, but they'll switch, you know, but accidental switches happen all the time. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. Um, you know, and, and we talked about this. I asked him about late game offense this year. Um, and if the importance of quarterbacking in that, and he basically said, I don't think it's a big deal. Um, I think you can, a lot of guys can get us into our actions and things like that. I think Finch would prefer Anthony Edwards just to have the ball. And then they could go with four other wings, you know, and, and towns and Gobert and two other like Jaden and Kyle Anderson. Um, you know, like I think that would be his ideal lineup. Cause you look at it defensively and it should, work and offensively you think well ant can just get us into our actions and it should work we have enough shooting in there and everything still so but it's not the reality um and we see that all the time uh, we saw that with boston and the playoffs last year they probably had the most talented roster most of the time but like just like large sections of Brain fart essentially, um, where they just look like they forgot how to play basketball because there was no direction. Because Marcus Smart's a great defender, but he's not a point guard. Um, And Jason Tatum is a really good playmaker, but he's not Luka Doncic. Like we always want to fit everybody into the Luka Doncic role, as if everybody's as good as Luka Doncic. (laughs) Um, You need point guards to like navigate the offense uh, and do things like that. And so hold on, let me
1: let me me cut in there, like because I think people who've, who've listened to me on here, I probably even said this to you before on on the show, is. Like I I do, kind of envision the future of Ant to be that that Luca heliocentric type of big wing guard, or at least think it needs to be considered. And I don't think you are as much in that mold. So I'm not there. Yeah. I don't think that is the path to success this season for the Timberwolves. Oh, I, and I, I watch I, them in. The I, agree ball, yeah. I agree with that. I agree with yeah. that. I'm talking like 24 year old Ant is, is, sure. is kind of what I'm envisioning in that way.
2: Because do I don't want to cap him where he can't be. Like, I don't think it would be as successful as Luka um, because Luca is like kind of an artist with basketball, frankly. Mm. And it's just Ant has different strengths. Ant is more physical. I, I would take Ant to get to the rim better. Ant is a 10 times better defender. Luca, I think, will always be a 10 times better playmaker than Ant mm. and can find more options within the play than Ant can. I do think you're kind of like Ant as point guard to me is going to always be option A or B. Where Luca can be like, well, where's C? What's D? What's E? <laughs> yeah. Um, and I, I think you're going to limit what you're going to do, and in some ways, be a little bit easier to guard if it's Ant all the time doing that. But I think that's a good option, like late in the game. I don't know if I would want to go to it 24 seven like Dallas does. Um, but it, Ant can certainly do that, and we'll have to add that, and we'll it'll have to be a part of the Timberwolves' offense. I don't think it should be like the plan, mm-hmm. um, nonstop, because I just don't think that is playing to Ant's strengths. Because when I watch him in the pick and roll now, I'm like. Looks like he's looking for like one pass. And if that one pass is not there and not pretty easy, then he's going to just try to take it himself.
1: Let's talk about today's sponsor. Let's get checked. Let's get checked makes professional health testing easy by letting you get tested without having to visit a healthcare provider. Recent studies show that men's testosterone levels are dropping substantially since the 1980s at about an average of 1% per year. If your father was 30 when you were born, your testosterone levels could be 30% lower than his are. Low testosterone can have all types of health effects on men. It can cause you to lose muscle mass in your body. It can affect your mood, your memory, and even your sex drive. Let's Get Checked is a worldwide leader in at-home testing kits, and their male hormone tests let you easily test your testosterone levels. These results are reviewed by a clinician. Once your sample is in the lab, confidential results will be available from your secure online account within two to five days. Let's Get Checked labs are CLIA approved and CAP accredited which are the highest ranking levels of accreditation. So if you want to test your hormone levels without having to leave your home, visit trylgc.com/dane and get 25% off your test using code DANE25 or look for that link and promo code in the show notes of this episode. That's trylgc.com/dane and get 25% off your test using code DANE25. But- so so what about this, Jace? What if what if let's before the season does even start Let's fast forward exactly 365 days And theoretically D'Angelo Russell has left an unrestricted free agency Right, He's chosen to go to another team It's not necessarily that the Wolves didn't want him He's just not on the team for some reason What if next year 22 year old Ant It's him as More of the playmaker Maybe it's not full all the way to the The Luca part on the spectrum But maybe it's kind of like what you were talking about with uh, Tatum where it's like not a point guard, but it's a really dynamic playmaker. What do you think about the idea that Jordan McLaughlin would then kind of start it alongside? Ant, again, if there was if there was no D'Angelo Russell on this team next year, do you think, as again, big J Mac believer, you are like, do you think that would be giving J Mac too much leash?
2: No, um it, especially like if he if he can shoot the ball like he did at the end of last year, then that makes sense. Like he could just be a four spacer also for Ant. Um, you know, you just can't have him be like a shooting liability if Ant's going right, to be right, right. uh executing a lot of the offense. But I think it would be great, like, okay, Ant is um ant's running most of the time, but when things kind of get crazy or things get staggered, um, now J Mac maybe gets a few possessions at it just to kind of like stem the tide back. Um, and then it would be really easy to kind of okay, J-Mac plays a few minutes with the starters and then he's out and then he comes back with sure. the second unit, whatever the case may be. Uh, just a stabilizing force that like a Boston last year just needed a stabilizing force mm-hmm. um, who probably, probably plays pretty consistently so you don't have to sub in um, who can just get things going in the right direction who can say like, okay, it's getting a little too stagnant with Ann. We got to move the ball here. Um, those kinds of things. And I, I think that that he could do that. Um, and frankly, like I think Ty Jones could do that. I think Jordan McLaughlin could do that. I really do think those players are similar. I think Tyus is probably better than J-Mac, but it's just kind of this thing of like, can you get out of your own preconceived notions that like a point guard has to score, that they have to be a guy who can score 18 points a game, whatever the case may be, to think that that's maximum effectiveness. like how we got so far away from the idea that one player... Can make players better literally by being the person who's spurring ball movement, by being the person who's making sure everybody else is getting touches and feeling involved in the game. Like that used to be the thing of point guards, and now it's so far gone that it's almost viewed as a negative um, yeah. in a lot of ways, which I don't understand because when I watch these guys play, like the basketball is just better and the numbers are just better. The evidence says that it works, that it's good. Like Tyus no, Jones it's... on some Timberwolves teams was like the net rated king for a lot of years, and it's like, but. I don't think people like now that has gone so far the other direction, I don't think a lot of people are capable of taking the evidence and the numbers and saying, maybe I was wrong. Uh, maybe this that way isn't move like... That you like, all done. Yeah, exactly. Right. Like maybe that is still a route. Uh, but once you get an idea in your head and we see this in everything, you kind of aren't willing to look at the evidence and think otherwise. Uh, and that's true in basketball and everything else. And and with J-Mac or, or Tyus too, there
1: there is just that it, it does just come with being in small where you you do get underestimated and that's kind of what the the thesis of your story was yeah, yeah. Is, is just that and he said i've been underestimated since day one and you talked to his trainer you 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 talked to his his high school coach that was right collective yep. Yep. and and it like this has been like this exact same thing that we have felt in the first now four years of, of jmax career of that producing but continually underestimated, never really being given those extra things, not getting the McDonald's All-American invite, like just not getting any of the recognition beyond, like nobody has ever bet on J-Mac, it, it feels like. And and I, I I loved it. It said that Kleckner said that well, this was another coach talking to him that said, that yes, guy is yeah. the best player on the floor. How do you get him to be so unselfish? Like this is who J-Mac has been since
2: day one. And it's like, I'm always amazed with it. And uh, and the reason why Finch loves him, and this is why I would be interested to see if Finch would ever have the guts, like, say D'Lo left, to, mm-hmm. to go to Connelly and be like, I'm good with this guy as my starting point guard. Um, I don't think we have to spend up on it. We can spend up other places or whatever. Uh, obviously, we'll have to sign a backup. But, like, everything Chris Finch wants in an offense, in defense, even just like uh, defense, he just wants guys to be feisty and putting in the effort. Offensively, like, it's play with pace, move the ball, get into our actions and go. Let the offense work, but it doesn't work if we don't get into our actions until there's 10 seconds left. Like, it's J-Mac. That is what he does for the team. Um, That's how he plays. Uh, And and that's why Finch loves him, but it's like, what's it going to take for you to commit now to that? And saying like, this is the basketball I believe in. This is the basketball I want to play. Well, this guy plays it. Mm -hmm. Uh, And frankly, like, d'angelo russell does a lot of good things he does not play that um and it frankly is like what finch talks about when we talk about in training camp like what do you think of d'lo oh d'lo's great he looks great um he needs to just needs to kind of trust gets getting into our sets more you know and really getting things going there it's the exact same thing last year um in, in an early season and whatnot like so i'm interested to see if finch ever just makes the push of like i want to play the brand of basketball i believe in this is the guy who does it can we just roll with him? Or does Finch trust him enough? And to that say, could like, be with Delo on the floor, too. That could be with D'Lo on the it floor, can. And, and they did thrive a little bit last year, too, in, like, some two-guard sets. And, like, that's how they finished game five. J-Mac was on the court with Delo Like, there are multiple ways to do it. I just, I'm almost interested now with, like, Governe and Towns. I think the options for that are going to be fewer and fewer. Mm-hmm. It, I think, as we're doing
1: the very, like, glass-half-full J-Mac thing, I think part of the case against it um, is pick and roll, which, which is interesting because we don't really know what the extent of pick and roll is going to be with this team. Like you would think you had Rudy Gobert and they're gonna run pick and roll a million times. From everything that Finch has said and the play, it's almost like they want to scale it back, which not something I personally agree with, but I'm willing to see whatever, like see out whatever this this vision is. But with J Mac, he is a very good passing pick and roll player, but pick and roll is where he has to shoot himself. Um, he he's it has not been productive in that. Like I, I just looked it up on Synergy, the the two hundred players who ran fifty plus pick and rolls last season that led to a shot foul or turnover. So it's it's him going to shoot the shot himself. In in effectiveness, J Mac ranked one hundred and seventy sixth out of those two hundred, really poor. But now, if you just add in pick and rolls, including passes as well. Of the 157 players who ran 150 plus pick and rolls, J. Mac goes all the way up to 60, 60th of those 157. That isn't taking out the shooting ones. The shooting ones still count in that. It's the passing is what so makes him so. So you could do so just dynamic.
2: the passing ones. He's going to be like near the top. really high. I can't. You can't totally yeah, right, just filter right. that out. I But just, the math says that there's yeah. no way he's not incredibly good at it if mm-hmm. he goes from like worst to above average.
1: And I think that's exactly like what we're, we're talking about and maybe the having moved too far um, in one direction away from the, the game manager point guard is, is that we're in an NBA that is so high pick and roll reliant in 2022 that you want that pick and roll ball handler to also be a scoring threat. And, and J-Mac isn't that not certainly not to the the extent that ant or or delo are um but ultimately the question is is that okay you know it, it's certainly okay enough to be a 16 minute a game backup point guard the question is you know if delo you know knock on wood missed a month or something what would what would the overall how would the pick and roll quality that this team is running drop off or maybe improve if if j mac was in the mix and i well we don't know anything about this roster at all right now with with Rudy in the mix but um i would i would think that with the best obviously far and away the best roller j max ever played with those passing numbers and pick and roll would go
2: up even more this season i'm just interested like we always talk about how I'm with you on the pick and roll. Like I, I think like he and Rudy, like and he, we saw like in the playoffs, it was like the pocket passes and everything. Like it was great. Um, those were the things, those are like the wow plays, basically. Um, uh, so I agree with you 100 percent I think he could run a very effective pick and roll with Rudy. What's gonna be really interesting to start the year is I don't think he's gonna play with Rudy. Um if, if everything they say is comes true, like DMAX is gonna play in the minutes with Cat and Ant when Dilo and Rudy aren't on the court. Um, uh, so we won't get a look of that. Uh but we always talk about Ant, right in his progression and that's important that's the top of the list that's what's most important to the timberwolves is anthony edwards evolving and i think we view it as like okay that means like you know taking over some of the Luca role and that's an evolution but like ant will tell you himself like without yep. bragging on dlo it's like he will come out of his way and he did this when i talked to him after the game the other night the brooklyn game and he's like like he makes it so much easier for everybody. And he, including me, I have no worries when J max on the court. And he said the same thing after a playoff game last year. Like I know I'm going to get the ball. I don't have to try. I don't have to worry about getting it. Mm-hmm. I'm going to get the ball in good spots.
1: Ultimately. Like, Ant doesn't want to be the Luca thing right now. No, he, he doesn't
2: no, no, You can tell because he, he struggles in it um, <laughs> at times and it's hard. Um, and like, Ant would much rather play a little more off ball, those kinds of things. And like,
1: Save some energy so it, for defense, too. Like, that's part of the reason Luca is not a good defender.
2: Right. Um, So why are we always trying to make things harder yeah. for the best players when sometimes you can make things easier and let Ant be that two-way guy? You know, right. like, let him, you know, get easy looks offensively to get himself going, and maybe that leads to him playing a little ISO late um, after he's already gotten some easy looks to go down and hit some tough one later. I don't know. To me, it just seems like, at times, like an obvious thing of like, okay, he likes playing with J-Mac because J-Mac's always just trying to make things easy for everyone else around them. So if you're building around Cat, you're building around Ant, like if you got into the 2023-24 season, like maybe play with the guy who makes life easier for them. Mm -hmm. Um, And D'Lo like does do that. Certainly at times, it's just not like who he is. Like that's not the prototype of the point guard he is. So I just think the Wolves have the type of roster with the talent on it to give J-Mac a run, um, to give him more run and say like, we have enough scoring. We have enough pieces. We have enough options. We already have so many options. We can't get Jaden McDaniels, the touches we want. Uh, So maybe let's take some of those and give those to Jaden. And you just make sure that all these guys are getting the touches they want. Uh, To me, that makes too much sense as a fit, but I see, I don't think it's been considered. I don't think it ever will be considered. Um, I think it will always be "Mm, too small, not enough of scoring threat, not a, not a good enough defender, no matter what the metrics say. Uh, Doesn't matter. Uh, and so I don't think he'll be given that opportunity, if I'm being honest.
1: I would, uh, everyone who's listening to this. I would, I, I think this was a really good Jordan McLaughlin feature and, and one that, uh, that hasn't really been written or, or hasn't been written at least in, in a few years. So I would, I would check that out. I mean, it's, it's on Jace's Twitter feed. I'm going to, if I can remember going to tweet it out here, uh, after the podcast, but, but check that out. It's uh, underestimated since day one, Timberwolves, Jordan McLaughlin continues to make doubters eat their words Uh, but Jace, let's uh, let's move into tomorrow night, Wednesday night, season opener. Do you just real have basketball. like, yeah, real basketball? Do you have um, some sort of like surface level things that you are going to be looking for early and throughout that game tomorrow?
2: Yeah, it's for me. It's all about the starting five. It's like, can they find any continuity or flow offensively? Do they look like they have clear objectives they want to get into? I know Chris Finch talks about like, oh, we don't, we just don't really want to have like we're just flowing out there you know we have a structure and you flow within that and it sounds so great if you have guys who like are used to that or played in that way or comfortable in that style like i don't feel like you added more you see these guys free flow and i know they had to practice before that but there was none of it um they just look lost and i wouldn't be surprised if we saw more of that but they claimed like okay we practiced some now it looked a little better we got into some things better um, I want to see if the starting five's offensive flow is as much of a train wreck as it was in the Brooklyn game. That's my biggest thing because how long that takes to get going, I think, will have a big impact on the win total this year. Uh, because they might be able to get away with it in the first seven games of the year. Uh, they won't be able to after that. So, are they continually making strides? Is there at least a significant improvement from where they were against Brooklyn?
1: Yeah, I, I, I think I'm, I'm totally looking for that too. And, and even off of the starting five of like what Finch goes into in the stagger, like we know they're going to stagger Kat and Rudy um, in, in that obviously they're going to both start together, but they're going to play a lot of minute. Like one of them will be on the floor for all 48 minutes. I'm curious to see what that actually looks like. And maybe if one of those other groups kind of do get into that flow, do have more of that chemistry more than the other, I'll definitely be, be tracking that. But I'm also just interested. I think the thunder are an odd sort of test of this of this really big lineup that the Wolves have. The Thunder are probably the smallest team in the league this year if we not just in height but in, you know, kind of bulk. They're they're not a big team. They're going to be a team that is going to switch everything against the Wolves and if that doesn't work, they're going to go to zone. So, what do the Wolves do against that? How much are they able to punish a switching, you know, a, a switching defense? And and Rudy when we talked to him, um. after the the game against the Nets on Friday, what he said is against smaller teams that are going to switch. We need to overpower them on the interior. And, and I think that, you know, that makes sense here in a lot of ways. You're the bigger team far and away. I just don't know, like, how ready this group is to be able to do that. You know, are they... Is it going to feel a little bit forced trying to get the ball to Rudy or Kat on the interior just because they're 20 pounds and four inches taller than the the guys that are guarding them? And then also, I think eventually there will be a stint where it's like, you know, Rudy has three buckets around the basket in five possessions and OKC will do zone. And I think that will be an interesting challenge for the shooting of this team. How are they going to be able to you know, to move the ball, kind of puncture the center of the defense and get the ball out. And let's see how good of quality shooting this this team has. Is Jade McDaniels knocking down those shots? Is Dilo playing? Is D'Lo finding ways to be a catch and shoot three-point shooter off of that? Like, I think, ironically, in a way, like, OKC presents an interesting opportunity to test some of the things that in theory should be really good with this Wolves team this season.
2: If let me ask you this, like we it's been a point of training camp again and again, it's like, oh, we want Kat said it the other night, like we Rudy was underutilized offensively in Utah. and they've talked about this and they've tried to get him the ball and he's been showing harder and they're trying to get on the ball in the interior. But given the fact that he's playing with Anthony Edwards and Carl Anthony Towns and even to some extent D'Angelo Russell, if you're playing your offense largely through Rudy Gobert, are you letting the other team win? In that point, because is that is that
1: your best offensive sell? I, I think that's a little bit too black and white, but the answer to that I think is yes. And and it in in both of the two games that that Rudy played in the preseason, I felt there was too much of that. Now was that preseason, and you're just trying to yeah working it in yeah, yeah you know get looks of what Rudy like ceiling deep looks like. But I get the sense that they are going to target that in, in that game, and and the matchup again against the Thunder smaller kind of asks you to do that if all things are equal. I'm just not sold yet that all things are equal. I would say that's kind of allowing the opponent, just a different way of saying what you're saying, but allowing the opponent to dictate what you are doing. I think this team is built to thrive and spread pick and roll. That just makes a ton of sense to me. And obviously we're going to see a good amount of that. But my... Initial inclination is that that should be a pretty big piece of the pie on this team. And I'm just, I'm just not sure it will be. And I think the Thunder will kind of dare them to not do that, which not do their, what I think is their biggest strength on this team. So, yeah, I'm fascinated to see how much Finch's sort of pick and roll aversion he had last season changes at all, given the, the, how the roster has changed in a way that, to me, it seems so obvious. It should just be a, it should be a ton of Rudy high pick and roll. But I don't know. We'll see.
2: I thought it was interesting too. Like in that Brooklyn game, I don't know if he was necessarily deferring or not. But like Cat dominated that game once. Like Rudy went out, and then Cat was starting to play more up top again and doing what Cat does. Um, and like Cat at the top of the key, like it sounds great but like we didn't see the starting unit go to that very much um at all like i don't know if they just weren't patient enough to even get into those types of looks or what, what the case was but like just like how much can each of the starters kind of be themselves while playing alongside one another and then i think this will be something that i don't know if we'll see it so much in this first game but i want to see how long the starters even play together yeah. like how quick is it before chris finch is like okay you guys are all quote-unquote starters um now we're going to get into the <laughs> And that stuff, and then we'll get into the Rudy uh Dilo stuff because that stuff makes more sense to me than all of you guys out here at once. Um, so like A, like how long do those guys stick together to start? Um, as they kind of try to find some kind of rhythm. And then B, say it is a close game. It could be, it's opening night. The Thunder have good players, especially if SGA. Does that group close? Does he close with the starting lineup again? Because I think what's gonna be interesting is like that's five of your best players, but that I don't think a lot of us think that's the best lineup. Um uh, so does Finch go with them in winning time and just give them a chance to figure it out? Um, how much does he stick with them to start? There are a lot of things about this team where like the roster makes sense, how it fits together is going to be complicated. And Finch has even said that, like there's going to be a lot of massaging with rotations and whatnot. Um, so finding what works and what doesn't uh, going to be interesting. Finding that out on the fly where you're still trying to win games is going to yeah, be very interesting. That's the know.
1: the trying to win games part is like, yeah, I think maybe trying to win games does Maybe lead you to to break up the amount of time that the that the starters play together. But at the same, so we didn't time, even know what the plan is to start. Yeah, so right. we we have nothing to judge it right, on. Right, right, right. But you do at, over the course of the season need to develop a chemistry of that five. Like as much as you are going to stagger Cat and Rudy, like that five needs to become dynamic. Come playoff Agreed. time, of course. And
2: so if you're going to close with it. It has to,
1: and and it just. Like what does what what is what is not closing with it look like? If 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 the Wolves do not close with Kat Rudy, McDaniels, Ant, and Delo tomorrow, who closes the game?
2: Well, I think they close the game for sure. Um if it got down the line and who closes, I'm just telling you, like, because he hasn't had many players like that, um, I think he is going to be tempted to, to close with Kyle Anderson a lot. Um, mm-hmm. because of Kyle Anderson has no weaknesses and makes the right play. And the Wolves don't always do that, or at least the previous versions of the Wolves did not always do that. Uh, so I, I wouldn't be surprised at all if Kyle Anderson comes out of the gate and is playing well. Um and it's just Kyle Anderson. Over oh, Jaden, though. Work. It has to be Jaden, right? Probably. Yeah. I mean I, I, mean, I would you can't think so. not close with Katarudy
1: in the first game of the season.
2: No, I agree with you there. Um, or maybe would they go like an ant Jaden Kyle Anderson? Yeah. Rudy, I don't know, like, these are all, like, different things. I think it'll be changed But Jay, to bench,
1: if, D'Lo, if they, if to bench D'Lo in the, the season opener to close. No, no, French, I told you, yeah. in the season opener, they're going to yeah, go with
2: okay. this line. I'm just right. saying, like, now it's going to be, like, five games down the line. This, this lineup's kind of struggling, and you're trying to win a game against the Lakers or whoever, and it's, mm-hmm. like... I don't think this lineup's gonna get it done because they haven't gotten it done through five games. We got let's switch it up and do something else. Um, I think it would be Jaden first off. My mm-hmm. only second guess would be D'Lo after that if they if they decided to really force Kyle Anderson. Yeah, it's it. just pecking order. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I, I I do. I said this to to John
1: last night when when we were recording. I, th- I think it is important to note that it was Brooklyn in in that first yes. game.
2: Yep. And, and said that in an interview I did with them the other okay. day. It didn't work into my story, but he's like, "Yeah, for like a big yeah. lineup." Trying to unveil that without much practice time—that was not an ideal opponent.
1: Yeah, I just, I just think we all need. Like, it could end up looking really good tomorrow. It could end up yep. looking really good through this this whole first week. And we're like, remember when we were talking about not closing with starters? You know, like right. I don't want to be moving too far um, in that sort of direction. But I think we're both on the same page. We're really excited to see this, so we can actually ninety percent of our conversation stop being born out of hypotheticals. But it's yeah. it's coming is coming tomorrow uh we'll get there uh jace let's uh as we've been doing all season let's uh let's kind of close out this episode with uh some prize picks i'll say but jace and i are doing a we're doing a like a competition against each other throughout the year for um who can get the most prize picks right for for thursday night football but oh this... we're
2: trying to get them right i thought we are trying to get <laughs> we're them not, wrong we're, oh, well okay. we're
1: not doing a we're not doing a good job but i do want to say that uh you know if you if you're a listening to this podcast, you're probably an NBA fan, maybe more than an NFL fan. And yeah, we're recording this on, on Tuesday night. You got the the NBA games you could do prize picks for tonight. And then, you know, the Wolves tomorrow. And I will say the time to like get in ahead of like the quote unquote books is when you've been following this Wolves team a lot and you have like a good idea of who is actually going to be playing. You, I, I see some of these like, projections for minutes on like the athletic or ESPN or wherever it might be of who's going to play on this team. And I'm like, bro, that is not who is going to play. Like one of them had like CJ Ellaby in the rotation. I'm like, you're not even on the team. Like, what are we doing here? Like who created this, this model? So I don't know. I think, uh, (laughs) I'm not saying we could bust the, the bank here against prize picks, but, uh, but I think it's a it's a fun way to play the game is being like, I think you don't know exactly who's going to to play in this game. So so check that out for uh for the Wolves game tomorrow, uh prizepicks.com, prizepicks app. But Jace, let's do uh some week seven uh, NFL prize picks for the Thursday night football game. Again, Jace and I are just going off of Thursday night football. We're uh, I'm, I'm gonna blame it on the fact that it's only Thursday night football that we can pick from. Me and Kyle's winning percentage on Fridays when we pick from Sunday. Is a lot better, but you're four and six. You went zero and two last week, four and six on the year on on these picks. I went one and one, still worse than you. I, I'm three and seven on the year, uh, <laughs> <laughs> so bad. Oh my god. Um, <laughs> it, we, what do we have? We have uh, Cardinals Saints Thursday Night Football. Give me your uh, give me your first more than or less than. It's even harder because they don't know who quarterback is for the Saints. Like They don't even have that
2: option up there. <laughs> right. uh, so it's it's a bunch of... I don't
1: know what you're talking it, about.
2: Taysom Hill's on there. That's true. That's true. <laughs> so the, the most effective quarterback, the, best, the quarterback with the best winning percentage on the Saints is available. Um, I'm going over. I'm going to say I'm having more than 60.5 receiving yards for DeAndre Hopkins okay. uh, for the Cardinals. In his first game back from suspension for the year, uh, they lost Marquise Hollywood Brown for the year. Uh, so this offense passing game-wise should be kind of built back around Hopkins. I'm sure Hopkins has been itching to get out there. They probably can't wait to feature him. they a team that's struggled. Um, I'm sure they would love to just think it's because Hopkins has been out, so I think they're going to lean heavily on him. He's obviously going to get Marshawn Lattimore, but I think Hopkins is going to get him for at least 61.
1: Yeah, I, w- I was tempted to go with that one too, uh, but just kind of in an effort to stay away from the guy who hasn't played. Um, I went with the I kind of the idea that Hopkins will be featured which will take down some of the other pass catchers um in Arizona so I did uh Zach Ertz less than 49 and a half receiving yards that just kind of felt like uh, a lot to me they do have I Mark is Hollywood Brown is out for this game as that has even ruled out
2: I think so so he but, is going to be out for the season probably oh wow, wow. with okay. the, like the foot injury
1: okay um Still going to go under with Ertz just because I think they're, they got a lot of different options there. Plus I don't really trust Arizona right now. So Zach Ertz less than 49 and a half receiving yards. What's your other pick? I'm going under
2: on Alvin Kamara, uh, below his rushing total of 65 and a half. Um, he's actually went over that these last couple of games, this team has run the ball better. Uh, but I think it's possible. James Winston plays and they get more out of the passing game. Uh, so I think even if Kamara's used more in the in the past receiving game, I don't see him having the same rushing night that he has had these last couple of games.
1: I feel good about my second one.
2: Um,
1: and it's Taysom Hill less than 27 and a half rushing yards.
2: Like Taysom, Taysom Hill, has also had a good rushing game the last couple of games. He, they've kind of dominated on the ground.
1: But it's like it was like last week was like five carries. The week before that, it was like eight or something. And, and I, I could like, I actually said this last week with, I think it was Cole Komet too, where it's like, I could see him getting a touchdown. I could see him getting two touchdowns, but still maybe not hitting that, uh, that rushing number, like for Taysom Hill to get 28 or more rushing yards. Like he needs to break a long run. And I just don't like how many runs is he even going to get in the game? So I'm going probably five. You're
2: right. Yeah. Probably five. There was
1: Kyle and I both picked – I feel the the same way about this one as I did last week with uh, Tom Brady's uh, more than, less than on his rushing yards was negative 0.5. So if Tom Brady just didn't run the ball at all, which he didn't, the pick hit. And I was like, this is obvious, you know, and that one was correct. So That is insane. I've never seen that. I know. I thought it was like one of the promo ones on there. I'm like, nope, this is actually – Negative 0.5 yards. So that, that that one hit. I'm feeling the same way about Taysom Hill, where it's just like that. I just look at that number and it uh it doesn't make sense to me. So I don't know if you should carry the same confidence.
2: I don't feel like it's the exact same situation here. I,
1: I think you're you're probably right. You're probably right. Well, and I clearly don't know what I'm doing. I'm three and seven on these. Picks. Not on so, Thursday nights. Not no. on Thursday nights. Uh but yes, you can uh you can play along with uh Jason and I and Kyle and I in this if uh with prize picks, uh Picks app or PrizePicks.com. You can uh, get your picks in there again NBA coming up here too they got full slates every night for the game so it's just a fun uh little way to put you know a couple bucks on on each of these games and again it is not a sports book it's daily fantasy so you can play here in Minnesota promo code Dane for a 100 dollar sign up bonus again promo code Dane uh prizepicix. prize picks app all right Jace uh I think that's about all we got next time we talk we will have some real basketball to discuss and and as always uh if uh if you are liking jace on the podcast talking about basketball check out his uh football podcast on the vikings uh inside purple and gold that he does with dane misitani also from the, the pioneer press are you ready jace ready for the season yep i'm going 49 wins 49 dude that's my number too which, oh, nice. Which I think, uh, which I've I've been told is too low by
2: by many people. Uh, I, I think, couldn't tell you that my number changed from like fifty one to forty nine after watching the Brooklyn game. And I get it; they had in practice. I was just like, that gave me, me, too, me like all kinds it. of like, oh, there might be some struggles here. Kind of vibes.
1: That that's what I was saying too. Is like as good as everything else looked in preseason, and really everything else looked good yes, in preseason. Did. But it was for guys who we pretty much see a 15 minute a night, maybe Noel's a little bit more than that, who who looked good or and maybe lots, zero from Nas Reed. Exactly. You know? Right. So yeah. it's the things zero for
2: Luca Garza. <laughs> right? you know?
1: Yes. The things that look good in preseason. I just wonder how much they'll actually be, you know, be on the floor. The main thing that is going to dictate this win loss total is cat and Gobert, and how quickly they're able to kind of get that together and make it working, make it work. And, uh, we're not there yet so um we're both still taking the over on 47 and a half 48 and a half wins and i I still feel like 60 65 confident in that i think that's a a good bet i'm just i'm relying a little bit on the the west to beat up on itself a little bit and maybe and maybe this taking a little while for the wolves to become the quote-unquote really good regular season team that they've been billed as but we don't know what we're talking about, um, and uh, <laughs> we'll we'll see how much any of this uh, proves to be true. I'm excited for basketball. This is the last podcast, preseason podcast, that we are doing for the Wolves, and I'm very uh, pleased to do that. Looking forward to talking to Jace every Wednesday throughout the season again. Or uh, Tuesday night. Yeah, or Tuesday night this time. Um, it, Jace actually has a bunch of uh, stories that he's been kind of churning out here over the last week in advance of the season. A Finch story, a Matt Lloyd story. Check that all out at the Pioneer Press. You can follow Jace on Twitter at Jace Frederick. I'm Dane at Dane Moore MBA. I think the plan is for Britt Robson and I to record uh, sometime on Thursday morning after the game, so that'll kind of be our game recap uh, podcast. Again, I'm not doing game recaps immediately after the game this season, but we'll get that up sometime Thursday afternoon with Britt. Uh, until then, he's Jace. I'm Dane. Peace out. How I'm feeling, man. I hope it never stop, yeah. Green it off so you can find me in the crowd, yeah, yeah. Don't let standards ever ever bring you down, yeah. Hope you're dancing like nobody
3: else around.